I just want to go ahead and call my friend, Pastor John Blue, up to the stage. John and Chris, uh, they poured into our marriages over the last couple of days and did a, did a really phenomenal job. But I just thought, man, not everybody can make that. And so let's let the good gifts let's keep torture giving. torture them on Sunday, Torture too? them some more. Yeah, okay, that's good. I wasn't going to say it, but All you can right, let the cat you. out of the bag. Thank but, you. So John, John and Chris are great friends of ours. Uh, John came into my life, honestly, at one of the lowest points in my life. I truly don't think I'd be standing here today mm. if it wasn't for him and his wife. And obviously God's used other people along the way too, but really he was there at like the lowest of low. And, uh, and I don't think we'd be here today. This church may not even be here today if it wasn't for you uh, taking me under your wing and helping me and restoring me and all of that. And, and, uh, and John and Chris walked with my wife and I through premarital counseling and helping us get our family off the ground. He did our wedding and um, we helped him plant a church yep. in Irvine, California in 2006. He's like a serial church planner, so he's done it a few times now. I'll tell you yes. more about that. Uh, but really just a great, great, great family, great couple, great leaders, great speakers. And one of the things I love about John is he really is an evangelist. So in addition to being a great teacher and pastor, he has a real gift and anointing for evangelism. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about that today. So I won't steal your thunder, but I am so go. thankful that you're here today. I appreciate love you. I love you, my so friend. So blessed to be here. Give it to us. So Let's blessed go, to be Let's here. Go. And you know, for all you guys came to the second service, here's the deal. I love the second service because this clock that says I have 30 minutes, I just throw it right out the window. So you guys are stuck with me for about a couple hours. So just relax. Hey, a couple things before we get going. First, I want to acknowledge my wife, Chris, who was with us this weekend on the she, uh, she, she's amazing and, and keeps me in order, keeps me going. Um, we have five kids. We live in Orange County, California. Uh, we've planted numerous churches and, and just plugging away. Uh, God, is, God is faithful and gave us the opportunity to be a part of, of your pastor's life, and it's been just a, just a blessing. So the other one I want to acknowledge is Leo Clark. Leo Clark is in the house. Leo, Leo was one of the first, he and his wife were one of the first ones we ever married. I totally screwed up his wedding. Like, dude, I'm saying the wrong lines. I'm like just nervous, sweating, you know, and, and, but Leo is a good friend. God blessed, got to disciple him and now a, a friend and just a great man lives here in Liberty Hill. We're trying to steal him over here. Okay. Anyways, thanks for coming out, Leo. Love having you. Um, really excited to be here. Okay. Uh, I'm a high volume. I hope I, I, I'm not yelling. I promise. Like, like they're used to it. Okay. They're used to it with you. Okay, good. Like, like in our household, Chris and I are, are talking or I'm talking and my kids are like, stop yelling. I'm like, I'm not yelling. I'm just talking. This is how I talk. I get, I get intense and passionate and, and get loud. So here we go. Uh, blessing to be here. I, I want to talk to you today. And the title of this is, is Jesus on time. Jesus on time. And, uh, uh, there's a principle here that I want you to get, and, and J.H. Huey says this, I don't have the time. Such an excuse is usually a refuge for small-minded, inefficient people. Each of us has the time to do the whole will of God for our lives. Each one of you has the time to do what God has called you to do. Uh, I asked the last, uh, uh, sir, or the last early service if, if anybody knew of Del Taco. They said Del Taco came and went in this town. Anybody, you know Del Taco? Del Taco is a staple in Southern California and is a staple in my diet. 
I love Del Taco. Like, it, there's one on the way to work. There's one on the way to home to work. There's one on the way when I don't even go home. There's one on the way. It just everywhere I go, I can find a Del Taco in my car naturally. You know that, that, that thing on, on Apple that, that they take you places because you've been there so many? Mine goes to Del Taco. So it's perfect. And uh, I, I was going through one of my, my many visits into Del Taco and uh, ordering what I, I was ordering. And this was a Sunday morning before I was going to church. And I think I was grabbing coffee and maybe a taco or two and driving through. And as I drove away, because I was rushing to get to church, the Holy Spirit said, what about that guy? I'm like, what guy? What about the guy that just served you? Uh, and I would see him, because he works a regular shift, I would see him three or four times. I would see him more than I'd see most of the people in my church. And I said, oh, Lord, I don't know that I have time to stop at a, at a drive through window to talk to this guy. Next time I go through, the Holy Spirit quickens me. Hey, what's your name? My name's Alex. Next time I go through, I start a conversation with Alex, no lie, probably the 12th, 13th time through, I found myself stopped at Del Taco after I'd received my food and I'm praying with Alex. I'm backing up the whole Taco Bell or Del Taco line, don't care. Taco Bell is like, like 1B, you know, so sometimes I'll go in and out, Del Taco, Taco Bell. I'm sitting in the line and, and, and here's Alex and, and Alex was, was, grew up in the Catholic church, had walked away, separated from his wife, got several kids and, and worried about his kids and, and I'm worried about getting to church. I don't give a rip about Alex and the Holy Spirit grabs me and says, wait a second, there's a man here that's hurting. So I prayed with him in the Del Taco line. I, I, I'm, I'm so consumed by my time that many of us are so consumed by our time, we don't take the time for Alex. We say things like this, I don't have time. My life is crazy. I've got five kids. I work a job and I, I, I have a church. You know, it, it's, it, there's, I don't have any time. And time and time again, I find myself saying, I don't have time. How about you? It's, it's frequently spit out there. But I want to show you this morning that that's not true. Let's read this story from Mark 5, 21 through 43. And there's a big chunk of text. And you've, you've heard it many times. And, and you've heard it preached. And I want, to, I want to take it from a different position this morning. So here's what it says. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him. And he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and, and, and thronged about him. And there was a woman who has had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And who had suffered under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no longer, no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt her body in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power had gone out from him, immediately turned to the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And the disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? 
And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Verse 35. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house who, uh, some who said, your daughter is dead, why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw the commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But, they put, but he put, put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time this morning. Lord, in this short time, I pray that you would give me clarity of thought. Holy Spirit, that you would speak. Lord, that you'd give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Father, let us tear up our to-do lists and listen to you, Father God, where you might be moving. Lord, let us be a people that hears when you speak, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. What's this story really about? You know, when you read the story, and, and usually when I've heard it preached, we talk about certain things. It's about Jesus and the miraculous. It's about Jairus' daughter getting healed. It's about Jesus saying, do not fear. It's about having faith. It's about this woman's amazing faith to push through the crowd to get a hold of Jesus. Maybe it's about the healing, and the truth is this. It's about all those things, but I want you to look at it just from a, a little different angle this morning. I want you to take a different uh, 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 a look at it this morning. Morning. And it's this, that Jesus is on time, that this Jesus we serve is a Jesus of order and that he is always on time. Not only is he on time, but Jesus has a to-do list. Did you know that? And I'm not talking about to-do list that she gives me on weekends to fix this, fix this, and fix that. Jesus has this to-do list that he hands us. I can prove it to you and I will show you this. Jesus had a to-do list because the Bible says he came to fulfill the law. He came to call sinners. He came to give life, to proclaim, proclaim the good news, to seek and save the lost, to do the Father's will, to give an abundant life, to die for you and me. All those things on his list to do. Jesus had a to-do list in this story. His to-do list was this. The leader came to him, Jairus' daughter was dying, and he came to him, he said, will you come to my house and will you lay hands on my daughter? And Jesus says, check, that's my list, let's go. And he starts to head to Jairus' house. You and I have a to-do list that God gives us. Psalm 139 clearly says, for your eyes saw my unformed substance, in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet one of, none of them came to be. It's, it's this, that God has these steps for us. He has this to-do list for us. He has this destiny, this purpose for us. And he set it before us before one of them came to be. He has a to-do list for you. 
What does that look like? To love him and to love others. The to-do list can be simplified in Matthew 22. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he says this, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the list we forget about because this is the list that, that encompasses us. This is the list that grabs us. Hey, I've got a job. Hey, I've got five kids. Hey, I've got a grandbaby. Hey, I've got a wife. Hey, I've got a house. I've got this and that. And oh, by the way, I need to play hockey at least two to three days a week to stay sane. Check, check, check. And we run our lives through this list of things that we deem important. And they are important. C.S. Lewis said this on your and my to-do list. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. Look, everything that I'm called to do should be seen through the lens of eternity. Everything that I do from cleaning my house to, to I was gonna say do laundry, but I've never done laundry, to uh, cooking, I do the cooking, she doesn't do the cooking, she does the laundry, it's a great trade-off, okay? All these things that I do should be seen through the lens of eternity, but I don't. I see it through the lens of what do I need to get done in my life because that's the most important because I'm the most important. And, and C.S. Lewis right here tells us as scriptures and reaffirms the scriptures say that this thing isn't about me. As much as my to-do list is real and important. Jesus on our to-do list says this, Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be at. What is he saying? He's not saying throw the to-do list out. He's, what he's saying is, look, seek my kingdom first and foremost, and I'll add all these things. The beauty of this relationship with Jesus is that he's the creator of heaven and earth, and he has this understanding that, that, that my little to-do list does not keep me in this little box that he can exponentially multiply my hours and to get things done when I allow him to order my day. But we don't like to do that. See, here's the deal. There's always a crowd and there's always a nobody when it comes to our to-do list. Here's, it's crazy. Mark 5, 24. And the great crowd followed him and thronged him, uh, uh, thronged about him. And there was a woman. And, and this crowd, they, the theologians believe there's up to 3,000 people that were surrounded, um, surrounding Jesus. They, they believe also that there were mostly men. That there wouldn't be many women in there. There would be the, all of these men. And here's what the crowd looks like. He, they, they knew that Jesus was going to Jairus' house. They knew that Jairus' daughter was dying. So they're like anticipating that there's going to be this miracle. So this crowd of people is moving, up to 3,000 people. And in this crowd, they're moving in one direction to do one thing. To watch Jesus do a miracle. And in your life and in mine, we have these things to do. And the crowds around us, our kids and our, our husbands and our wives and, and our workers are moving us down the way to get things done. The things that they think that we need to do. The things that they want to see done. And the crowd moves us and we stay in the crowd and we keep moving in the crowd. And it keeps moving us and it keeps moving us at the expense of what or who. See, the, the crowd will always distract you and hide you from what you're called to do. The crowd will keep you right on task with your to-do list. They'll move you down the road. The crowd will tell you you're doing great. You got to check this off and check that off and check this off. And the crowd will keep you on task as they were doing with Jesus. 
But the Bible says, but the Bible says in the crowd, there was a woman. Just randomly. Just, you know, you got this crowd, you got Jesus, and all of a sudden, there was a woman. It doesn't say anything about her. It doesn't say who she was. I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that I don't know anything about her. Was she married? Was she divorced? Was she, or did her husband die? Does she have kids? What, what's going on with her? We hear the, the, the very clear picture of her disease and her blood and what's going on. Her, but they don't even give her a name. She's not even named in the word of God. It just says, there was a woman. Who was she? She was a nobody in the crowd. You had all these people that were excited about this miracle that Jesus was getting ready to pull off. All these people that were, were around him that were, were flowing with him. And she was an absolute nobody in the crowd. Didn't she understand who Jesus was? Like, who does she think she is pushing through this crowd to get to this man that's getting ready to do an incredible, incredible miracle and heal this young girl? Does she not understand Jesus has a schedule to keep? Jesus got his to-do list. Don't interrupt that. Does she not understand how important Jesus is? He's the Messiah. Who are you? And that's how the story is set up. Who are you? This woman in the crowd. Well, who was she? She was the least of these. She's your neighbor. She's your coworker. She's the addict on your corner. I don't know if you have it. I live in California. I've, I've, like I woke up one morning and I came out of my house and some dude's shooting up. And I don't live in a bad neighborhood. I, I mean, I live in a decent neighborhood. And some guy is like cooking meth and getting ready to shoot up. He's the addict that's sitting in your neighborhood. He's the homeless guy. California, we love the homeless. I heard Austin does too, so I won't go there. Um, he's the guy that helps you at Del Taco or Taco Bell. He, he's the, or she's the one that, that, that grabs your dry cleaning every week. She's the girl at the pokey place that my office, I'm bivocational, so I have an office that, that I go to every day that I do church and my, my consulting stuff out of. And, and there's this food court and, and there's this pokey place. I love pokey. Apparently you guys have pokey here. It's moved to the east. That's good. Um, you know, all good and bad things come out of California. Some good food comes out and then some liberal crap that none of you want to have in this state. And please reject it and do not let Californians come into this state and turn it into California because California is a dump. Sorry, we may, have to, we may have to take that part out, but you guys fight for what you have here. I mean, walking down the street and some dude's got a gun on him. That's beautiful. Gosh. I'm going through this pokey line, much like Alex, every day, and I start to get to know this girl named Sandy. Sandy's the manager. She runs the place. Start to engage and talk with her and ask questions, and she finds out I'm a pastor, and, and we talk. And I mean, I've been through there a hundred times, and 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 about a half a year ago, she goes, "My mom's dying." She said, "Would you come and pray for her?" I don't know this girl other than the pokey line, and she gives me extra crab meat. I'm like, absolutely. I got a lot to do. I've got two jobs, five kids, grandbabies, and I like to play hockey. And she wants me to go pray for her mother that is dying of cancer. Yes, okay. See, she was the least of these. She's working at a pokey joint. 
Matthew 25, 40 says this, and the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. We walk by people every single day. You go to the same places because you're creatures of habit. You go to the same places, you see the same people, but you don't even know their name. I didn't know their name. Look, church isn't here, church is out there. This is just where we get together to celebrate. This is where we get together to worship. This is where the voices sound incredible and the power of God rests. But it really takes off when you walk out these doors and you recognize the woman in the pokey line. There's always a crowd that has the one heard of you. This is, is critical. So this woman who, who is, is bleeding and, and, and she's heard of this Jesus. She's, she's heard about this Jesus. Mark 5, 20, 25 says she had heard the reports about Jesus. The question, and, and really this, this whole principle is, has anybody ever heard of you? Or are you just the person that gets things done and, and don't bother John because he's got a job to do. Don't bother Sally because she's focused. They got to-do list. Don't bother them. Has anybody heard of you outside of that? Do they know your name? This woman had heard of Jesus. But more importantly than hearing the name of Jesus, she heard about Jesus. She heard about him. Mark 5, 27 says, she had heard the reports about Jesus. What were the reports? That he was healing people with leprosy, that he was, he was healing the paralyzed, that he was casting demons out of people, that he was resurrecting the dead, that he was turning water into wine, and so on and so forth, and we couldn't, we can keep going and going and all these things, and she'd heard the name of Jesus, but more importantly, she heard the power of his name and who he was. All of a sudden, she had hope. She heard of Jesus' mercy and grace. Why is this so important that she heard about Jesus? You know why it's so important? It gave her hope. And we live in a world where there's no hope. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and I. And that hope goes forth when they hear of you and about you. See, it's the heard about him, Jesus, that ignites her faith. If she never heard of him, she doesn't push through the crowd. If they've never heard of you, they don't push through the crowd. Has anyone heard of you? More importantly, what have they heard about you? The about you should be the match that lights the fire. Hey, that, that guy, John, I told you I'm, I'm bivocational. And, uh, and, and the CEO in my company, great guy, I meet with him regularly and God's open doors and, and pray with him and talk with him. And, and uh, uh, all of a sudden I'm in this, this, this company for less than a year and the CFO comes to my office and says, hey, I've got cancer, would you, would you pray with me? Uh, 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 on the, on the, 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 one of my teams that I help oversee, a single mom with a, a little girl comes to me and, and we start talking and long story short, she gets saved and gets baptized. And, and, and I'm, I'm not saying, oh, you know, but, but, but 
when I went to this, this business that I didn't want to go to, because we plant churches, and, and Lord knows you cannot live in California on a church planter's wage. When you got 17, 20, 30 people, I start with little ones, you guys start with big ones. But what we had like 17, 20 people, you know, I, I'm not making it, so I started this consulting business. But when I started, I said, God, let it be something that, that can be used to reach others. And God starts opening doors. See, that about you should be the match that lights the fire of hope in someone's life. It's that about you. Matthew 5 says, you are the light of the world. 2 Corinthians, you yourselves are our letters of recommendation. What are you recommending? You're recommending Jesus. Written on your hearts to be known and read by all. You are being read whether you like it or not. You are being read. And if you're a man or woman who's just all about the to-do list and focused, and some people in the world said, that's really good, man. That's a type A, get her done type of person. I don't want to be known by that. I want to be known by someone who, yes, gets things done, but is willing to stop in the middle of their day and go, God, what are you doing? You know why? Because that's an internal perspective. It's an eternal perspective. It's the hurt about you that ignites the faith of the least of these. If they don't hear about you, they don't push through the crowd to get to you. They'll never come to you. Who is hurt about you? The least of these? Those unseen, the hurting, the lost, the fringe? How about your sons, your daughter, or your wife? I, I, I've walked with plenty of Type A focused businessmen that are just to do, to do. And the excuse they use is this. They say, look, honey, hey, kids, I'm doing this so you can have a great life. And they use that terrible excuse. All the while, their own sons and daughters haven't heard of them. It's not just out there. How do we know that they've heard about us? How do they know that they heard about us? They tug on our garments. They, they grab a hold of your shirt and they pull on it, metaphorically and literally. It says this in Mark 5, if I, if I touch even his garment, this woman said, if I touch even, I've heard about this man and he heals and he, and he, 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 he raises from that. If I just touch his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about the crowd and said, who touched my garments? There's this perception, 3,000 people, and Jesus feels one tug. I'm sure he bumped into thousands of people. I'm sure the disciples are trying to push him away. You know how it is when you're in a crowd. You know when you go to a UT football game and fighting through the crowd, and you, I mean, you're getting hit from every direction, yet Jesus feels this one tug. Most of us will walk through life with no idea of who is looking at us, and who is pulling on our garments. We'll just get through life. Check, 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 check. Got that done. I feel good about myself. All the while, some young man or woman has been pulling on your shirt. I need help. Oh, Jesus, I need this Jesus that I've heard about. And we just keep walking. Why don't we feel the tug? 
because we're sucked up in the crowd and we're just, oh, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. I've got a to-do list. I've got to check, check. I've got to hit through this to-do list. If I don't finish this to-do list, it's not, I'm, things aren't going to, I've got to get through this to-do list. I'm so about me to get this thing done. We're selfish and we're blind to anything other than what we think we need to do. And we never feel the tug. How does Jesus feel the tug in his garment? How is it that Jesus, with 3,000 people in there, how is it that Jesus all of a sudden perceives in himself that someone is tugging on his garment? The reason that Jesus perceives is because he has this relationship with God the Father. He is so connected with the Father that when that tug comes, he goes, whoa, 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 what's going on here? He had that time of prayer with the Father where he, he moved out of everything else and just came into this, I need this time with the Father. He did nothing that he didn't see the Father doing. Look, he had things to do. He needed to be up at Jairus' house to heal this girl. But he knew if the Father said turn right, he would turn right. Or the Father said turn left, he would turn left. But he knew that that imposition was a leading from the Holy Spirit that he could trust and he could make a difference. Sometimes I don't trust that. I got things to do, people to see. You know how you get it? Word, day, and pray. Word, pray, and day. Each day, getting up and getting my word. Okay, God, this isn't my day. This is your day. You order my steps. Dear Jesus, let me have awareness. As I'm in the crowd and flown with the crowd, if someone pulls on me, Lord, let me see. Oh, God, have mercy on me. Let me feel the pull. Let me have eyes to see that I might breathe hope. But we say things like, well, it's just Del Taco. It's just the pokey place. Really? Uh, this, this, this young lady whose mom has passed, I've had deep conversations about Jesus and his hope and the healing power and who he is and all. And then when my mom passed away about uh, two months ago and I was talking to her about, about it and the feelings, she, she started texting me, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm like, are you kidding me? Each day, God, who do you have? You got your list. I know you guys don't miss that. God, who do you have for me? Who do you have for me? Who's tugging on your garments? It's usually the nobodies. It's the unseen. It's the fringe that nobody cares about. It's the hurting. It's your kids. It's the lost. Maybe they aren't tugging. If that's the case, there's no hope to start that fire. Our job is to keep looking. It says, but Jesus kept looking around to see um, who had done it. He's just, he's like, where, uh, I know they're here. It's not this, it's this. It's this. I played football, short and white and slow is no way to go through life. It just, you know. Leo and I tie. He's tall, dark, and handsome. He can dunk a basketball. He's like a real athlete. I'm not. Um, it, it, and, and it, you know, in football, they, they just say, you know, I'd be focused as a linebacker right on, on that guy. And my linebacker coach said, no, 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 you have to have the periphery. You've got to be looking around and reading the play. And it's the same thing in our walk with Jesus. Look, I can't be so focused on, oh, I read my Bible today. Oh, I prayed for an hour today. Oh, I listened to my Christian music. And now I'm going to go do the things that God has called. No, 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 no. I am looking and hearing and perceiving what God might be doing. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it, who had pulled on his garment. 
Where are you looking? The answer is usually hiding right in front of you. It's not this big reverence. I, I doubt I've never, you know, gone into a place and, and looked and found some of this, this great revival broke loose in the street. But, but I've prayed for one person, praying hopefully that revival would take place in their heart. The answer is usually hiding right in front of your face. It's someone that you've seen day in, day out. It's someone that you might know. God is saying, where are you looking? Here's, here's the last thing. Don't believe the lie. See, here's the lie that you and I believe. If I take the time, if I listen for or, or feel that tug, I'm going to miss out on everything I'm supposed to do. My checklist is not going to get done. I'm not going to get through A, B, C, D, and no way I'm getting through Z. I've got to do this because, God, you've called me to be faithful to my wife and my family and everything that I'm supposed to do. And God just says, throw that thing out. Now, the reality is this. he doesn't say throw it out. What he says is this. You do the, what, what you're supposed to do and allow me to interrupt that, and I'll multiply your hours so that you do what you're supposed to do. That's how good God is. That's how faithful he is. Don't believe the lie that you don't have the time. It's an eternal perspective. I can't not have the time. Because what I do in my office consulting with this, this team, we sell legal services, who cares at the end of the day if, if this, this young lady and her daughter don't get saved? Who cares at the end of the day if the CFO, if I'm not able to pray with him? Who cares at the end of the day if I'm not able to walk with the president of another division through the loss of a child? Who cares? I'm not going to believe the lie. It says this, that, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus and the synagogue leader. Your daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? The enemy will come and he'll lie. You don't have time. You don't have time. They're not really. They, they work at Del Tonka. What, what do you care? You don't have time. You don't have time. Don't believe the lie. If I take the time, then uh, I'm going to miss. If, if I stop, I'm not, uh, you know, if I mess with them, then uh, I'll miss my to-dos. Don't believe the lie. Mark 5, 34 says, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And 41 to 42, taking her by the hand, he said to her, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. Right on time. Didn't miss a beat. And all the while, he felt a tug in his garment and healed a woman that had been sick for 12 years. Didn't skip a beat. Time multiplied. Grace given. God is faithful. When we encounter Jesus daily through the word and prayer, we feel the tugs of others. And we don't miss out on our to-dos. You get your stuff done. Some of you need to get rid of some of that stuff on that to-do list anyways. It's just not what God's called you to. But if you walk in the Spirit, here's what I know. You'll feel the tug. Alex, they have since closed that Del Taco down. I don't know what that says about Del Taco, but there's one right around the corner, so I don't miss that one. And Alex has left. But before he left, I had this conversation while backing up. You know what's funny? The manager came to me a couple of times and, and would tell me how much... 
He's like, I appreciate you. Through the, the window, because I never went in. I was always through the window. And, and I would take up this time talking with Alex. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, no, don't worry about it. And, and I was talking to Alex, and he said, you, you know what? I'm, I'm going back to, to the Catholic Church with my children. I'm taking my children, and I'm believing that God might, 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 might work my marriage out. How do we not feel the tugs of others? It seems so just the guy at Del Taco. You know how self-righteous that sounds? You know how absolutely prideful and just, oh, oh, it just sounds ugly when I say it. Because let me tell you, the job that I have is not more important than this man's life. And the God that I serve will take care of my needs when I take care of someone else's. Jesus understood this. His to-do list was go to see Jairus' daughter. And he said, nope, where is she? That's the church. That's the church. So they heard about him that ignited her faith to go after him. She'd never heard about him. She doesn't push through the crowd. Let them hear about you. Who has heard about you? Now go be the church. Like I said, this isn't church. This is where we get together and have a good time. Donuts, coffee, blah, 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 all that fun stuff. Great worship. But church happens when you leave these doors. Church happens when you feel the tug of a neighbor. When you feel the tug of someone who's hurting. And you ignite their faith with hope. The hope of Jesus. The hope of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time, for these men and women. God, for this church in Liberty Hill. God, God, I pray that you would ignite the hearts of men and women in this church. That, that Lord, when people in Liberty Hill... He'll uh, pull on their garments, God. They'd be aware of it, God, and they'd stop everything that they're doing, and they would look them in the eyes, and they'd bring the hope of Jesus that they may have, have eternal life, Father God, and that you would multiply their hours, God, that you would get rid of the things on their to-do list that they don't need, and, and, and Lord, you would help fulfill the things that they do need. But God, let people be first. Let our neighbors and let the, those who are hurting be first and foremost above everything is Jesus modeled to us. God, I send these men and women. I send them with a blessing. I send them with eyes to see. And I say thank you for the reports that will come back from those who felt the tug and responded as Jesus called us to. I thank you for Pastor and his family and this church and all you're doing. In Jesus' precious name. Thank you for listening to this message. You can stay connected with us at Vintage.Church or on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. At Vintage, we believe church is more than a place or a weekend activity. It's a spiritual family where Jesus is the center of our lives personally and our relationships collectively. If you're in the Liberty Hill area, we would love to have you join us this week. You can learn more about us, our service time, and plan your visit by visiting Vintage.Church slash Liberty Hill. We hope to see you soon.